I am Brooklyn-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. If you would like to reach out to us for feedback or show suggestions, show topics, please feel free to contact us at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to new or past episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. If you are having trouble listening to us on your preferred platform, or if you want us to be on a platform that we're not currently on, make sure that you send us a private message on our Instagram page at Black Therapist Podcast, or you can just drop us a message or send us an email at blacktherapistpodcast.com. If you want insider tips, resources, and access to our free mental health course, make sure that you text Get Happy to 66866. And my new book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy, is available right now on Amazon. You can go to our website or go to our Instagram pages and click the link and purchase because we want to help you get your relationships together for 2018 and beyond. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey, hey, hey. So, um, it's been a long three weeks. <laughs> I'm so glad that we've survived February and now we're in a, a brand new month. For those of you guys listening to this in 2019, in the beginning when this show first first airs, but um, I don't know. It's just I I've been feeling kind of draggish and not drag queenish, which I will probably feel this weekend because <laughs> I have to dress up and go places. But I've been dragging emotionally um, for the last few days, and I wish I knew. Like, I can put my finger on why I've been feeling the way I've been feeling. Um, <clears throat> I know I'm not depressed, so that's a great thing. I, I do believe that I'm a bit overwhelmed. I have so much going on within the next couple of weeks. I don't know if I told you guys. I think I told you last week I was nominated for an award Um for the Congressional Research Institute for Social Work Policy. I think I actually said that right this time. And so the, the United States Congress has a uh, institute for social work policy, and I was nominated for an award. So we go and do the advocating for social work policies. This month, I have some uh, parties and events that I'm supposed to do again this month. I have, you know, launching the course that closes your coupon code has expired um but the the course has launched and is ready to go um so that's that's happened this month i'm developing another course launching the online store where our new t-shirts are raising theo preparing for my son's graduation from college I just have like so much going on that I was like I need to go back to therapy so I think I told you if you don't follow me on social media then you know that I kind of go live every week before I go to therapy and this week I actually had to go twice because he he double booked 
which he was extremely apologetic about but as a therapist who has kind of been absent-minded I'm like yo I got it like I've done that before myself so I just I don't know I just feel and there's no other way to describe it and so going into today to do the show I've like been dragging been dragging all day and I know that this has to be a part of my self-care to just be able to kind of sit and be still and relax. But I think that the guilt comes in when you have so much that you want to do and so much that you want to get accomplished and so much that you think you need to do right now, 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 that just being still is doesn't feel like the best option. I had to just relent today and be still and so it was really difficult for me to get this show done today but we're here because I'm committed I'm committed to my own healing I'm committed to being honest about my feelings and I'm committed to you guys so I told you for the last three weeks we've been doing our Thursday lives on Black Therapist Podcast Instagram page and I'm going to forget what we talked about over the last three weeks. This week, we talked about detoxifying toxic relationships. Dang, what did we talk about last week? Last week. Ah, I found it. Last week, we talked about. And I didn't find it. (laughs) Last week, we talked about. Um, why can't I find this five personality types to avoid for a love connection is what we talked about um, last week or the week before last this past week we talked about how to renegotiate roles in toxic families and detoxifying your family relationships and this week is generational curses so on March 7th which is Thursday at 2 p.m. I've been doing them at 3, but I have to do it at 2 this week because I have a training at work and I cannot get out of it. And I got to go all the way to Manhattan to do it, which means that by the time you guys speak to me, I will be on public transportation. Lord, please pray for me because I hate public transportation, but I'll be on public transportation going into Manhattan by 3 o'clock. So I will have to go earlier because the only other alternative is would be for me to go to the city earlier at two o'clock and then find a Starbucks at three to go live to be in my office. And that's just too much. And then I don't know who in my office. Um, and this is this is my consulting work, not my private practice. I don't know who knows what I do um, in terms of like my podcast. I know some of them know. But I don't make a big deal out of, about it for the other clinicians that I do. Because I think there's a lot of comparison. I think a lot of times we see what other people are doing in the field. And we're like, dang, why are you not doing that? Or why are you not doing this? Or so-and-so is doing this. I need to be doing that. And it becomes... I noted that that comparison this weekend, just to be honest, has probably um, contributed to my mood. Because I've been online, I've been scrolling, y'all. 
um, and just kind of seeing what other people are doing and what other people are into. And it's like, dang, she ain't even, or he don't even have, dang. So, <laughs> so I got to keep my eyes on my own paper. And I've been pretty good about doing that a little bit this week, um, keeping my posting on social media to a minimum. I've decided for one week to only reply to people who um, post on my page. So if I, I'll share stuff on my, my, my Facebook page, but I won't comment on other people's posts. And if I comment, I have to keep it under like two, two, um, words or very minimums. I can maybe use an emoji, but I, but not keep going back and forth. I find that, you know, arguing with strangers and people that I really don't give up shit about in real life is really starting to wear on my um, psyche a little bit and taking the focus off of things that I need to be doing, like important stuff. Um, I'm limiting the amount of times I'm able to look at social media. Instagram, I try to be responsive on Instagram because I have a lot more, I'll say, fans in in quotes because whatever, followers on Instagram and I want to be responsive to people who hit me up on Instagram so I try to like check it less but on the days that I'm in my office if I'm with clients if I have patients if I'm on the hospital I just don't have my phone period which is good I don't you know as a therapist you don't have that type of job where you are into other people like that like you're not like I can't be sitting on my phone on Facebook while people are crying telling me about their trauma that just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, but I've been limiting what I've been looking at. So there's that. Um, whew, transgenerational trauma. So, so yeah, I've, I've, you know, today's show, we're supposed to be talking about interracial. In, interracial. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> On today's show, we are supposed to be talking about breaking generational curses, right? A.K.A. transgenerational trauma, A.K.A. the sins of the father, right? A.K.A. we got to deal with our family shit, right? And so um, I feel like I've talked about this a lot on this show as well. And I'm not really sure what more I can add to the conversation, but just to, to let you guys know. So generational curses, if you don't know what they are, are a pattern of be, it, it could be a pattern of behavior. It could be thought, thought processes. It could be cultural identifying markers. It could be um, personality developments and traits and behaviors that we inherit from our family of origin. And so it can also be biological markers in our DNA, which direct and guide our um, ability to respond to certain stimuli, like um, things that we are predisposed to in terms of anxiety, depression. For example, I believe that black people in this country are more predisposed to anxiety than whites 
now this is not like a scientific historical fact right but the fact that most black people live in environments where their safety is always of a concern it would stand to reason that they would be more anxious right because poverty crime uh, neglect um, abuse uh, drugs Racial violence, housing insecurity, food insecurity, dirty water, lead, paint. All of these things contribute to us not feeling safe. Police violence. All of these things contribute to us not being safe. Right. And even in this political climate, I would like to believe that I don't have to believe. I know for a fact that there is more angst racially than there has been in recent years I would like to say in the past 20 years since like um Rodney King and I know that that was 20 over 20 years ago but I'm saying probably about the last 20 years that this is this it's been calmer racially than it's been in a long time in this country that was the last time that we had race riots outside of New York in the 90s we also had that as well between the Jews and the blacks, but that was a little bit different. So, um, and I said the Jews and the blacks, pardon me, between Jewish people and black people. If anybody remember the, uh, um, the incident with Cato in Brooklyn, now I don't want to get into it right now. Just Google. Uh, so yeah, that, that said, there are a lot of studies about the effects the Holocaust have and the changes that the Holocaust itself had on the DNA of survivors and their, their children and how they were able to react to certain stimuli. But of course there was never any research done on post-traumatic slavery disorder because if they defined it and they found that there was a cause and effect to slavery that was negative, then they would owe us money and they're never going to do that. So, you know, the, the, the research in the black community in terms of intergenerational trauma, I don't know why I can't say this word today, or transgenerational trauma is an issue because number one, there's no funding for our research. It's underutilized. <clears throat> Number two, there are not a lot of researchers who are black who want to do this work. I don't think it would be lucrative. And number three, there's not a lot of academic pull towards proving that black people have been damaged historically because of slavery and because of the effects of racial injustice in this country and not just because black people are lazy, which is clearly it goes against nar- the narrative that we are lazy. So there's that. Um, it's weird because my, my cousin called me today and my cousin is my grandmother's baby sister's son. And I, my family, we don't know nothing about first, second, third cousin, fourth cousins. I, my cousin, my cousin, my cousin. And so he called me today to ask me about depression 
and depression symptoms and what the difference is. And so I explained to him what they were. And then we started talking about family stuff. And I was, you know, pretty frank with him that I believe that our family is predisposed on my mother's side. We're predisposed to certain personality types. But because I'm a nosy person in my family, first of all, if you want to solve and resolve um, intergenerational curses, or you want to break the cycle and make sure that this whatever the curses in your family ends with you, you have to be able to identify what the curses are. So I don't really like the term curse because curse makes it seem like it's something that happens to your family. It's, it's very um, fairy talesy. Whereas it's something that happens to your family and there's nothing that you can do to like break it. But, you know, transgenerational trauma just seems so, <laughs> seems so technical. Um, but yeah, my, my cousin was speaking to me about that and you have to be able to identify. I feel like I'm babbling, you guys. You have to be able to identify what the patterns are in your family. And so... In my family, I was able to recognize that in the generations above us, the kids were not all raised together. Um, in my mother's generation and in my grandmother's generations, the children were not all raised together. Clearly, above my grandmother's generations, they were also not raised together because of slavery and those kinds of things. Um, there was a lot of moving around. There are a lot of secrets in our family. We don't acknowledge hurt feelings. There's a lot of emotion suppressants in the family, whether it is that we feel emotions and we don't identify them. We feel emotions or we don't acknowledge them. We feel emotions and we don't discuss them or we take a substance or something to suppress the emotions that make us uncomfortable rather than dealing with the emotions. And our emotions are an antenna. They are supposed to, they're God given gifts to help us identify that a situation or a, a stimulus, something, somebody around us is making us uncomfortable. They, they, they are to help move us from whatever we are facing to wherever we need to be to get back to emotional equilibrium, which is to just feel normal or to feel happy or to feel safe. Right. And a lot of times if you're suppressing your emotions, you are unable to do that. So my family has a lot of avoidant personalities in it. My family has a lot of schizoid personalities in it. I told, I think I did, did this before. Where I said schizoid, schizoid, schizoid personalities in it. Um, there's probably more rampant narcissism than there needs to be. There's a lot of emotional detachment in, in the, the family. Um, siblings don't speak to each other that's rampant 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 there are too many lies and secrets that everybody knows so they're not really secrets and people acknowledge but we're not allowed to talk about 
So that's that's a thing. Um and if it makes you uncomfortable, we just don't we just don't deal with it. We just don't deal with it. And so those are the the outward like behavioral generational things that happened in my family. And I think my mother is is pretty much broken some of that, right? She raised us together. My aunts all raised their children together, unlike my grandmother. So there was that. Um, But in terms of like moving the bar, taking care of each other emotionally, investing in our happiness and our mental development or emotional development, there's not a lot of that in any generation, probably but mine. And I'm like a unicorn in my family. I just do things differently. But I've always had a higher level of awareness when it came to like behaviors and like things. I've always kind of been nosy. I don't know why nervous was coming out, but I wonder, I've always been ner- nosy and I've always been intellectually curious about why things were the way that they were. So, yeah, my mother says I'm a little bossy to the point of interrogation and she think I should have been an attorney, but they all said. So, yeah, those are things that I've identified in my family. So the first step that you have to do is identify what the patterns are. The second thing you need to do is ask questions. A lot of the mysteries of my family were solved when I had access to my my grandmother's baby sister. And thank God for Facebook. Because my mother was the gatekeeper. My grandmother died when I was six. And if I had to ask my mother for my aunt's phone number, I'd never get it. Once my older aunt passed away, who was kind of like a surrogate grandmother to me and the rest of the family, once she passed away, like all access to other people who could have given me the information that I was looking for didn't exist. And my mother is the kind of person that's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it and don't go looking for nothing. And so I needed answers to why things were as they were in the family and how do we, we at least unravel it or fix it. And she was like, you just, you, you just like to stir up trouble. Um, so, but sometimes she was interested in what I had to say and and what I came back to, to, you know, talking about, but most of the time it was just like, that's old stuff. It's buried. Let's just leave it there. And so I was able to kind of piece together certain things in the family that allowed me to be like, you know what? We are predisposed to these types of behaviors. You have to be on the lookout when, when such and such happens. And so I was able to kind of create a list or a rule of engagement for my own family on how I could resolve some of those issues. Um, some things can't be resolved. It's just traumatic and, and, uh, happens in multiple generations like sex abuse that kind of thing I'm not you know I hate to say that it can't be resolved but it just seems like in so insurmountable the numbers are are such that 
it's really difficult to kind of completely resolve or eradicate that situation. But if sex abuse is occurring within families, that's a secret that we can no longer keep. That's a secret that we definitely have to discuss and talk about so that we're able to kind of stop that from happening from the next generation because that that happens. Um, and I was watching Ayala Van Zandt's Fix My Life this weekend and she had a family of children who were abused and they were jealous of this one sibling that didn't live with them because they were all they all grew up in foster care and she she didn't escape it either. You know, she was also abused. Her mother was abused. She was abused. Her, all of her siblings were abused and they were in different households and in different environments. And so I don't know. I kind of feel like there's a piece of your soul that becomes missing when you are an, uh, the parent who has been abused. And then you have children who marinate in the wound of that trauma and that becomes an issue. Another thing about transgenerational trauma and why it's so important to kind of do the investigative work is because I saw this story on Instagram and I don't know what I did it or who even posted it, but I thought it was a good story where she told a story about a ham. And she said every Christmas she made, I, I said Christmas, this is my rendition of how I remember the story. So if you reposted the story, shout out to you. I'm going to probably butcher it, but I remember the gist of the story. And so she said every Christmas her family made a ham and every year they cut off about two inches from the, the ham. So they would buy, they buy maybe a 10 pound ham and cut it down to like maybe, you know, eight pounds. They cut off two pounds and, and keep it that way. And then they would wrap it up in the oven and they would put it in a generation after generation after generation. They did that. And so one, one Christmas she decided that she would ask her mother why she did it. And her mother said, I don't know. Um, that's how I learned to do it from my mother. So then she went and she asked her grandmother why she did it. And she was like, I don't know. Um, I learned to do that from my grandmother. And then she was like, I really want to know. So she went to her great, great grandmother and then she asked her grandmother why she did it. And she said, well, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, I learned how to do that from my grandmother. Well, then she finally went to her great, great, great grandmother I guess she digged her up in the grave, whatever. Um, and the great grandmother said, well, the reason that we did it was because back in the days there was a pot belly stove and the stove could only fit an eight pound ham. So originally it started for a really rational reason, but it continued for four generations for an irrational reason without question and for a lot of us that's what happens in our families is we just do what we've seen done and we never think to question it we never think to stop today I still use Colgate um toothpaste I'm lying I use Crest is it Crest I only know what it looks like when I Crest I use Crest Crest toothpaste because my mother used Crest I only use Tide because my mother used Tide I don't need to know why I could, cause I mean, I'm old enough, smart enough that I could choose a different brand. And sometimes if something else is on sale, I may use it, but it don't feel the same. Like our, our, um, olfactory stimulation, the smell, touch, 
taste, sound, a lot of things that we do that carries memory, songs we used to hear. Everybody under the sound of my voice, I'm pretty sure if you heard Before I Let Go by Frankie Beverly, you thinking about your grandmama. If you thinking about, you hear I Always Love My Mama, she's my favorite girl, you thinking about your parents. For my generation or my son's generation, if he hear Dear Mama, he gonna think about me. Like there are a lot of things that we do that that just has no real basis in anything except for tradition. And so some of these generational traumas that we have and that we repeat on the other generation, it has nothing to do but just nostalgia. And a lot of us are doing what feels familiar, even if it doesn't feel good. And so it's identifying what those behaviors are that we want to keep from our family and those that we we can throw away and like renegotiate. Um, in my own family of origin, the problem comes when there's a change in leadership, <laughs> in leadership, like Mama P and my family was it. You know what I mean? Like my grandmother passed away. The the torch was carried on by, you know, my aunt Priscilla. It skipped over one of my aunts. So she was a little bad. Then when aunt Priscilla passed away, it was supposed to go down to somebody else. Mother didn't want the torch. It was supposed to go down to someone else and she didn't get it. So it was kind of like getting that, that respect in families. And now that it all falls on my generation. I definitely don't want that responsibility in the greater family. We all know who got that. If you're in my family, Banks, is you know who, who the, you know, HBIC is. But um, in terms of like on my side with my, my nieces and my nephews, I've also told them that, you know what, if you don't like the way things are, for gatherings, for holidays, traditions or whatever. You can make your own traditions. You can make new traditions. And so it, transgenerational trauma, really what it is, is doing what you've seen done. Um, and not doing the work to identify what you can do to fix it. Not do doing the work to identify what needs to be changed. Not doing the work to find out why it happened. History repeats in families. In, in countries, in, in time periods, but, but history really, truly repeats. And all that is, has, has been. And so if you start to look at the things that have happened in your family that has caused you emotional pain and distress, just know you're not the only person in your family that's gone through it. I, I'm not sure if that makes you feel better or worse, but it could, it could at least allow you to say, you know what, this ends with me today. This stops with me today. And so if you're listening to the show, um, I want to go a little bit more in depth on the podcast. As I told you, I'm a little under the weather today. But, you know, if you have any questions about transgenerational trauma and how to resolve them, it really is best done with the help of a therapist. It really is best done with the help of a professional to help you identify what the things are in your life right now that aren't working and identify the underlying issues and causes of them because it can be intergenerational trauma, but it can also be you. It can also be something that you visited on yourself. It can also be something that you are doing right now. The, the best 
part about this is that it is fixable because we can make other choices. We don't have to choose to be like our mothers or our fathers or our grandmothers and grandparents. Like we don't have to choose, make that choice. There's some things we're just going to, we're going to inherit that we cannot fight. But there are some things that we can change. Behaviors can change. But we first have to identify what they are um, and manifest your own destiny. So if you have any more questions about this subject or anything else, if you're interested in buying our new t-shirts, yay, the shop should be up. <laughs> I feel like I've been saying that forever. But it, the site is Black Therapist Podcast Shop. A Black Therapist Podcast slash shop. Uh, you can follow us on social media. But yeah, Thursday at 2 p.m. and not 3 p.m. We are going to um, we're going to be doing the live show. And there's not going to be a show next week because I am traveling next Sunday. Um, like I said, it's a super busy week um, for me. Usually I, Thursday is my day off and I don't even get that. So I don't even know what I'm going to do about having a day off and doing my administrative work this week. But I'm going to have to budget some time somewhere else in my already busy schedule. Y'all just pray for me. I hope I can get through the week without hyperventilating. But um, I'm thinking about replaying an old interview that I've done. When I say old, it's 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 old to me, but new to you, an uh, um, interview that I've done recently and putting it on the podcast so that y'all have a show. And then because I'm taking that week off, I'm not going to go live the next Thursday, the following Thursday, unless I change my mind. If I change my mind, look on my social media and I will tell you if you like these lives, let me know. Let me know what the next four weeks we could talk about in terms of relationships and just hit me up and let me know what you want us to cover for the next four weeks on the lives uh so we can we can get started so once again thank you for listening be well thank you guys for listening to another episode of black therapist podcast once again you can follow us on all our social media sites at black therapist podcast on instagram and on twitter as well as black in therapy on facebook or you can follow your host me miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to send us any general feedback, show suggestions, uh, show topics, or guest ideas, please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Be well.